used in childhood. I'm talking about physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, and what I understood about what I learned about abuse is that abuse isn't just an attack. It's not just offend you. It's a reality. And since I've met lots of people that were abused as uh, as children, kept these secrets for years and were uh, influenced by it for years. And so I decided I need to do something and I need to do something a little bit bigger than just uh, help people that uh, that were abused. I'm helping them, but I also want to do something bigger. I want to prevent it. So I took all my hours in the clinic and I said, okay, what can I do to prevent it? So um, I have two other partners, amazing partners, and we um, I constructed a some kind of a working model for communities. And what we do now is we share it with the world. And what we want to do is encourage communities to use our community model. It's kind of a behavioral model that if you change your behavior in, in a few ways, uh, you can prevent uh, child abuse in your community. And when I'm talking about prevention, I'm talking about pre-science prevention. Because science always comes after the abuse. And sometimes they don't even come. People can keep a secret for 20, 30, 50 years, not sharing it with anyone. And if we really want to prevent it, we need to prevent it before it happens. And what we suggest is uh, kind of a community behavior that would create a safer environment. So abuse will happen a lot, lot less. Mm-hmm. So, so, in general, that's the general idea. So instead of just talking, you've actually got a website which actually has a video on there that I, I could see the video in there. Even though it isn't English for myself, there is an English version of it um, to get translated. But having that video is amazing it's amazing it's incredible to have a video of somebody can actually just visually look at something and then oh okay i need to do something to protect my own children here i need to do something that i can speak out against as you said 30 40 years people brushing things under the carpet i did that for 20 23 years brushing it under the carpet but what we brush under the carpet it's something we don't know, we don't understand it. And so what you're saying here is, it's all very well me saying 23 years later about this, but if, if my community would have known about this, they would have been able to spot the signs, they would have been able to look in their own homes, and they would have been able to do a little bit better in keeping children safe as well as adapting their own um, social setting to keep safe because it is the social setting that is where people fall because they hang around with other people, they invite people in, they're drinking, they're smoking, they do all of these things and forget the children, you know? And so, and when they're not... I'm sorry to to, to, uh, interrupt you, but this is, you just said something really, really correct. Emotionally correct. It really touched me because 
kids are being abused in their most closed environment. It could be inside a family, it could be in others' family, it could be at school, in kindergarten, it could be, in, it usually is in, in very safe places. So we forget about the children. And if we, uh, if we behave a little different, and it's so basic, it's so very basic, if we behave a little different, like opening the door, not even to prevent, just to see what happens with my kids, you know, just to see how fun they're having, how, how they're playing with their siblings, how they're playing with their, uh, with their family. If you only, we only open the door, in 80% of the time, everything would be fine. And in those 80% that everything would be fine, we would give those kids a protection for next time because they would know this door is going to be open. And if I know this door is going to open, I'm safer because I'm projecting outside I know this door is going to be open soon. I have no idea when, but it's going to open. And someone is going to look at me and see what I'm doing. So don't mess with me. Because predators and abusers knows when the door is closed. And they know how to, um, how to look at the kids that doesn't know the door is going to, to be open. And if a kid knows the door is going to be open, he's projecting outside, someone is looking at me. And this is it. We have a little, a little uh, it, it's, it's a bit more deeper, deeper than that, but this is it. In a way, it's opening the door just to look at your kid. Mm. As, as simple as that. Yeah. Just, just to not forget them and to give them the education. I, I mean, many people say that they won't teach their children until they're about 13, 14 years old. It's too late. It is too late because it starts at a very early age from the minute the child can walk or even before that. It is too late when you're teaching children about the no-touch zone. <laughs> that's what is important here no touch zone but the most of the time is a lot of people are get what well, i've done my research okay i'm also a victim survivor uh, of child abuse myself so i've done my research and what i realized is a lot of this abuse is coming from domestic violence okay and so once these i'm gonna say mothers okay because we're the ones that had the children when once the mothers get into the vicious cycle of domestic abuse they are controlled already and when they are controlled their children are then controlled okay and, and it's it's a really selfish selfish thing that we have to do here it, it is getting this awareness out you know it unselfish should i say yeah um because no one's actually going to know the pain that it causes until we have more people speak about it. What you're doing is incredible, opening a door and just talking about it. Even doing a video about it makes a difference. If people can look, stop and look, just take something from it, 
then they can make that change and make that difference. But if people are oblivious and decided, you know, I don't want to watch that, that will never happen to me and my childhood. Let me tell you something. A bag of sweets is all it takes to entice a child. We should teach not to take sweets of strangers. Again, if it's happening in the home, what's a mother's role? Is to protect her children. A father's role is supposed to be to protect the children, but there are different lifestyles that one another lives and sometimes that belief is crushing children and adults. So it's changing the belief, isn't it? That you can, about the dom, you're looking at dominators. That's what you're looking at, dominators. People that believe it's right to sexually touch you. People that they believe it's right to dominate and control you and control your children. And if we don't speak, we can't break the cycle. So I'm really grateful of you being here today. Um, you know, I had a interview with Galette, Children of the Future, uh, to talk about child abuse. And she asked me some questions about spotting the signs. And as you said, it, it, it's too late, 23 years later. I'm wearing those signs, you know, but... It's never too late for the children today if we can get this out. So what's the important, what are some of the stories that you've heard that you didn't think, oh, there's a bit of awareness? Because you're a counsellor, you deal with children. How do children come to you to show you, look, based off what you've just said, it's happened to me or it's happening to somebody I know? What happens then? I think uh, children and adults that came to me just felt comfortable because I'm a listener. As a counselor, that's what I do. I listen. And listening is also something very, very basic because sometimes all you need is someone to, there's someone who listens to you. That's it. And what, what I mostly do, I'm listening. I'm an open dialogue uh, therapist. I'm a family therapist. And most of what I do and what most of what we do in Lifeboat is we teach people to be present. And we teach people to be present by listening and create a deeper presence in, in kids' life. You talked before you talked about you talked about um, educating. So we don't really believe in educating kids about the no-touch zone because it's not a fair fight. If you take a kid, a 40-year-old, and an adult who is 30 years old, the adult is much more um, sophisticated, much smarter, much more stronger. So the kid doesn't have a chance. He could be manipulated really, really quick. He could be uh, really deeply manipulated. And manipulation, he, he, the kid might not even know he's being abused. Some kids only figure out they've been abused at the age of 16 and 17. And then they feel so ashamed that they keep this secret for another 
23 years, sometimes even more. So what we say, it's not teaching the kids, it's teaching the community. Because when you open the door, mentally or physically, you teach the kid that he's being taken care of. I get it. But it, for me, I feel, as a, as a survivor from it, I feel it's extremely important that we teach our children a no-touch zone. And that, that, that's what I feel. That's just my personal... If my mother had said to me, don't let anyone touch you down there, don't let anyone touch your body, and don't let anyone bribe you with sweeties or whatever, and if my mother would have said that to me, then I perhaps would have had the courage to say, Mummy, he's touching me in the wrong place. Or, Mummy, he's making me feel uncomfortable and you said I could talk to you. So if we would had that equipment to, to empower us at a very early age, we could have spoken out a little bit more. But because... Can I, can I ask you... Uh, um, sure. Can, can, can I make it harder for you? Of course. But what if it's a doctor? And you need to be exempt. Wait, just just wait for a second, okay? And what if it's your dad or well, your grandpa? Well, wait, 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 wait. And what if? And what if it's your mom? Very true. Okay. okay. So and wait. So if you have and and what if you need a touch? You need a hug. You need. To feel love. And what if someone wouldn't touch you in those places, but you would still feel uncomfortable? Well, you just... So, what I'm saying is that, and, and, and I only, and I just started because if I'm an abuser, I could manipulate almost everything in a kid's mind. I can take almost every rule and every everything and manipulate it in a way, okay, that a child wouldn't tell the secret. Because if I if if, if my mom is teaching me that it's a non-touch zone, okay, and I'm creating a scenario where the kid has been touched. And he's now feeling guilty about it. So he wouldn't tell this, this secret because he's now guilty. Then we have so to teach, right? When we teach, when we teach kids, we give them the, um, the responsibility. And what my adopted daughter told me in one of our, one of our talks, she said, it's not the child's responsibility. It's our responsibility. It is our responsibility. It is an adult's responsibility. Of course it is, but it's actually a community responsibility. Okay? Exactly. All right? But unfortunately, unfortunately, what goes on behind closed doors, you said, what if it's a doctor? Well, children should not be seen without the parent beside them. That's number one. You said, what if it's your father? Well, you said it wasn't if it's a friend, a family member. Mine was. It was in my home. Okay? 
as I said, if I would have had an ounce of awareness at schools, also at school, the main, the main majority of the learning comes from school. Because here over in the UK, the parent is only a parent for a few hours at home. So when the kid leaves the home, goes to school, and that's where the education could be at. Okay? And it's not. They'd rather teach them in the UK about sex and how to, um, sorry, sex and protection. But they're not teaching about abuse. And that's where they need to talk more about abuse in schools. Unfortunately, we can't save every home. And with the topics that you're saying about what if it's a family, what if it's your mum? Well, we all know that happens. But as an active duty then, perhaps we should leave the hospitals with information. But again, if your perpetrator has already got that ingrained in their head, then that child does have a very slim chance of escaping abuse freely. Okay, um, and and that's where it's too late. So it's but getting. This is come, but this is where we come in. Exactly, getting to the adults. And that, and this, I, I want you to imagine a scene. Okay, you have a fourteen-year-old, let's say a brother, with his five-year-old sister, in a, in a room behind a closed door. Okay, now me as a dad or. You're as a mom, as a, as a mom, we know they are there. And we could say, oh, she's safe with her brother. And we could say, okay, let's see how fun they are doing. And we open the door. Now, when we open the door, we actually teach two souls about protection. Mm-hmm. Because this 14-year-old's might be or might become a perpetrator. A perpetrator. Absolutely. And if we and if we open the door and something just starts to, you know, it's just a spark, it's just the beginning, it's just it's something. And we open the door, we could stop it and say, I think you got confused and we need to talk. Mm. Okay? And we stop it right there and this kid made a mistake. He is not a perpetrator anymore, and he just learned what he needs to do. And this 14 years old, if we open the door, okay, think about it, that he's used to us opening the door. He's used to us listening to him. He's used to a different environment at home. So. If he wants to search himself sexually, if he wants to research, if he wants to learn, so he would say, you know, is it, is it okay if I try something with my sister? Because he would know we're not going to judge him. You know, this, this is kind of a fantasy, but think about it. If we're listening to this kid from the age, from, from him, from since he was he was born, and we're listening and we are not judging and we are being there for him, so he would feel comfortable enough. How do I try it? You know, uh, suddenly I started waking up in the morning and I had this weird thing in my in my pants. I, I have no idea what to do with it. 
and it feels nice when others are touching it. This is where we can teach this uh, naive beginning of search. And if we don't open the door, if we, if we keep the door shut, because it's very comfortable for a parent to have a few hours of quiet, okay? If we keep that door shut, we're teaching the kids, you know, do your research. You can do whatever you want. And when kids can do whatever they want, they'll just go on. And this kid would not, might understand that he did something wrong and say, oh, so I'm a bad person. And if I'm a bad person, then maybe I should act as a bad person. And that could, you know, create an abuser, a perpetrator, because he's now acting as his image of himself that he thinks he is, but he's not. Not in the beginning, not everyone. It's very interesting when you said children will explore um, their sexuality by the touching. And that, that's a very good key element of, because they want to know how their parts work, right? <laughs> and, um, and, and at that part, perhaps there's a lot of single mothers out here, a very lot of single mothers in the UK. And, and when they've got boys, it's almost, oh, just leave it alone. It really, at the end of the day, what you is a very key point, what you said is, if you could have got to that point and say, look, this thing here <laughs> is, um, you know, to teach them right. And also, you're talking about sexuality in, in the people's sexuality. But I do remember as a child myself, and I couldn't have been no more than four years old, another child touching me and asking me to look, play with this. You know, I do remember that. And, they, and, and it's seen as, oh, kids will be kids. Well, this is where... You have to say, no, this is the no-touch no zone. This is highly important. You have to teach them right. And, and this is very difficult for people to be honest about their sexuality, to be honest about uh, their sexual bits. Um, and that's the, the downfall. But when you get to the perpetrators, right, I've, I looked deep as to why my perpetrator did what he did. And I'll say, it must have happened to him for him to do that, so the not necessarily. Well, you it doesn't just come out of anywhere. Not necessarily, you know. Uh, I think uh, I don't remember the uh, statistics one hundred percent, but uh, if I remember correctly, it's just five percent of perpetrators who were um, sexually abused. Most of, uh, most of them comes from physical abuse. Um, some of them get bad information from the internet, but it doesn't necessarily make them, make them uh, abusers and perpetrators. And it's, it's very complicated because if you think about it, there isn't much of research about what makes someone a pedophile or a perpetrator or an abuser. You know, there isn't much research, and even even when you uh, when you when you seek how these 
people are being treated when they are found. Yeah, and most most countries doesn't even have a proper um, rehabilitation programs. Mm. They they're usually you know throwing them back to jail or or first time to jail, and they would just come out in a few years. And some of them can come back to their families. It's actually very, very complicated when you talk about uh, perpetrators. In Israel, I don't know how it is in, in the UK, but in Israel, um, the law actually um, prefer the, um, I forgot the word, um, the bad person, the, uh, the offender. They prefer? Kind of, because uh, 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 there are so many stories about offenders that, you know, uh, he offended his wife, broke her some ribs, her. he went to, to learn how to be a teacher, and the, um, the judge said, oh, he could learn something new, you know, and he's off. Or um, uh, child carers. In, in daycares, who abuses the, the kids, tied him down sometimes. Now we have uh, a story about someone who got uh, somewhere around 10 years in prison. But in the past, it, not, not, not in the far past, but in, you know, a few years, a year, a year before, they would sometimes get community work or uh, a parole or things like and, that. And it's not and, teaching them the right from wrong, is it? It's not teaching and, them. Yeah, and when I say the law prefer, because if you think about it, uh, most of the time, at least in Israel and, and, and in a few other countries I know, when someone goes to the police and says, I was abused, I was attacked, now the law procedure is that the state is, um, uh, how do you say it, um, the state is the, suing the, uh, the, perpetrator? the, the what, with who? Perpetrators. Yeah, and the, and the offenders, because they're not the, just the, the, the offenders as general. So, the, the, the law says that the state is suing the offenders. And what happens is if I said someone abused me, I become the, the key witness for the state. And what happens next is that the, um, that's it. Um, the, the, uh, the advocates, no, the advocates is the uh, the one suing, and the other side is? Um, uh, the prosecution. <laughs> yeah, so, no, oh, so the advocate is the one protecting the, uh, okay, so the, the state advocacy is now, what they want to do is they want to break me as a witness. Oh, you talking about uh, like the solicitors or the lawyers? The solicitors and the lawyers, they want to make sure that you are telling the truth. Yeah. 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 No, they don't want to make sure that I'm telling the truth. They want to break me as a witness. Okay. 
okay? Because when they break me as a witness, the offender would get free. So I become target number one. And so I was abused, funded, traumatized by, by this person. And now I'm being abused, traumatized, and, and attacked by the authorities. Yeah. The authorities. Okay. And sometimes by judges that would say, please show me how he made you, uh, what he made you do. How did you sit? What did you see? And can you pose that to me? You know? So this is awful. So that regurgitate. Of the abuse, and you're a survivor of, of the, uh, the, the, the legal procedure. Sure. Because, because the legal procedure is sometimes even more abusive than the abuse you, you've been through. So basically, when people say to me, I, I, I want justice, I want justice. And I'm thinking to myself, you want justice? There is no justice. There's no justice. There isn't any justice. What you're saying is that you would like to lock away your perpetrators. Well, unfortunately, even it won't when they, prevent the problem. Even when they go to prison, they only get a few months and they're back out there doing it again to somebody else. Um, yeah. And I think when when said when I never got to take mine to court, could I take them to court? How is that going to be? Justice is justice is getting this information out there so it doesn't happen again. Justice is getting your life back and implementing these what we're talking about the awareness on on other people's children to say look you know uh, we've got to do something about it but most of all justice is it is getting this out to people and not keeping it a secret because well, i don't if you think about it even now even now we are not talking prevention yet no but you are. Sorry, I believe that even though no, we're talking now, we even are. now, we're talking about the problem. We're not talking about prevention yet. What we need to do is start talking about prevention because prevention is the key. So how do you prevent it? So as I said before, first thing is to be present, physically present. You know, when you open the door, you're physically present, and when when you have someone phys- someone uh, with good intentions physically uh, phys- physically present, um, you reduce the chances or the risk. Actually, you reduce the risk of, of abuse. Okay, and as we said, we we are saving two souls. We are saving um, the 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 offenders that because they might. Do, uh, do something that they might regret or redo it in the future, and we save the one, the, the, the victim, okay, that, who might be a victim. And the other, uh, the other um, kind of present that we encourage people to create is mental presence. Because when I say, when I send my kid to, um, to a slumber party, when I send my kids to a field trip, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, I can't be present all the time. Yeah. So I can text him, hey, how are you doing? How is it going? But it's, you know, sometimes the phone is, at, is it on the side or there's no reception because they're on a field trip. And 
I don't need to bug them all the time. I don't need a drone, you know, uh, hovering above them and see that it's a lie. But I can also send them with some mental image of myself. Because what, what physical presence does, it says, I'm protecting that child. Okay, this is, this is the, the statement. When I'm opening the door, I'm saying, you're now being watched, you're now being protected. Okay, and when I'm a listener to my child, and we'll talk about listening in, in a few seconds, but when I'm listening to my kid, when I'm not judging him, when my kid knows he can come to me, whatever happens, he feels that the door is open all the time. And when a kid feels that the door is open 24-7, he is protected because he has a mental image of someone, not necessarily his parents, of someone that would listen to him and would help him challenge whatever challenge would come. You know, it could be a broken arm. It could be... Uh, and when a kid is going out to the world, knowing that someone is listening to him, is projecting goodness with me. And sometimes it's very hard for people to, uh, to, to, to understand it, but no matter what happens, if you know how to listen to your kid and your kid knows you could listen, really, really listen, and I would even, even make it even deeper because it's not just listening, it's dialoguing, being in a dialogue, not just, you know, you should uh, do this and that and don't go and don't play and don't play and that, 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 that. It's not, not a monologue. If you can dialogue with your kid, okay, and your kid knows he could be in a dialogue with you, he's projecting outside, I'm being listened, and perpetrators wouldn't touch or the risk is like 90% down that the perpetrator would touch someone, a child that he's been listened to. Perpetrators are looking for kids that knows no one would listen to them. Nobody cares about them. And a, a child would know he's cared when, when he could, when he is being cared physically and when he's cared mentally and he would project it outside i'm i can talk to i have people in my uh, in my life that i could talk to and this projection is like a bulletproof vest so what you're saying is if we as parents could talk to our children openly and honestly without fear they stand a better chance listen to our kids not talking to our kids listen dialogue with the kids not just talking to them. You know, when, when, in English, it's even, it, it even, no, actually in Hebrew, it's also uh, as problematic as in English. Because when, when I say, yeah, we had good talk. Yeah, what did you talk about? I told him, you know, I told him about uh, masturbation, and I told him about the, the non-touching zone, and I told him that. And kids usually don't listen when you talk, when I'm talking. They're not listening. But you're the teacher. What? But 
as an adult, you're supposed to teach. So you, you say listening. Yes, we can listen. But you, do you, if, if we don't talk to them about these things as a prevention and you're saying just listen to the child, the child... Just listen. Yeah, just listen. I, I don't think I, I... I have to go back and put myself back in that child's place and look at the environment that I was in, whether or not I could talk to my mum. One of the big key elements is I knew my dad would protect me, okay? I knew my mother would protect me. I couldn't tell them. And one of... Can I, can I, uh, can I be a little bit rude? What uh, made you think that you can't tell them about it? What, what prevented you from, from talking with them? Uh, okay, this is a good question because my father was quite a dominator and whatever he says goes. Uh, if... Can I can I be can I keep being rude? Go ahead. It's it's called so breaking it down. When you say my dad was a dominator, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So that means you didn't have a dialogue with your dad. No, and you're absolutely right. There, there wasn't. It, you just get on with life and deal with life, but you don't. No, I'm not talk blaming anyone. Situations. I'm, anyone because no one gave him the tools the proper tools that's right think about it if you had if you if you had from from the day you were born the ability to know deeply know that your dad is a listener that you can say anything i wouldn't have told him i i have to say from my point of view whether or not they were good listeners and telling me that I can tell them about anything, I didn't tell them because of fear of what they would do to the man that did it to me. And I did okay, not want... Okay, pause okay, again. Why would you fear of what would they would do to the man who did this to you? Be- I, because if my dad would have gone and killed him, he would have gone to prison. So you know that your dad would have gone and kill him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is this isn't dialogue. Because if you would know that let, let's take a different scenario, okay? Because I can take your dad, you know, this is this is a this is an image of of dads. They want to protect their kids. And you said before, I want to get justice. No, there's no justice. Mm. And killing someone is is sometimes what we think would bring justice. Mm-hmm. And you know, when, when I was when I when I just started working with survivors, I um, I went to take um, a few sessions for myself to really understand what's going inside me and how can I be a better uh, therapist. And I asked my my instructor, and I said, you know, whenever I hear Whenever I hear about abuse and these kind of abuse, what I want to do is I, I want to go to that person and I want to do horrible things to, you know? Killing, killing is, is, is easy because he would get away fast. I want him to suffer, you know? I want him to know, uh, and he said, 
uh, she said actually, she said, that's because you want to change the world. And what you need to do is you think how you help your patients. And think about it. If I'm, if I have a dialogue with a kid as a parent, as a, some kind of a, a, an adult, an adult in his, in his, in this child's life. Okay. And we have a dialogue and this kid is coming to me and he says, you know, Shahaf, I have this kid in class that he's, um, he's abusing me. He's treating me. Uh, he's not nice to me. He takes things from me. You know, it starts with the little things that we, um, uh, we lose faith in our parents and in, in our adults in, in our lives. And I think okay, so we should do this and we should do this. I'm going monologue. This is, we need justice and it's not the proper justice. But what if I'm a listener and I'm dialogic and I say, okay, so you're saying that this kid is taking things from you. He is abusing you. He's not talking uh, nicely to you. And how can I help you with that? What can we do? to make it better. Mm-hmm. How are you going to deal with it? So, and now what I, what I do is I keep quiet. That's all I need to do. And, and so, so this kid, okay. So this kid would learn that I wouldn't go to jail because what you said, is I know if I'm going to tell my dad about who hurt me and who abused me, my dad is going to jail. Right. And then let me tell you, when I talk about that, then we go back to the image of the father. Obviously, he's brought up on his own beliefs. We go back to the image of the father. What the father is coming off across is an aggressive person, unapproachable, unapproachable. And that's what you're saying. So with the personalities of parents, loved ones, guardians, it, you have to be approachable. And that's what you're asking, yeah, to break that down in my terms. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we, the way of the world, yes, we can do better if we are equipped with the information. But I do believe the adults has to change themselves because... All too often, and it's completely different over here, isn't it, than what it is going to be over in Israel. Because I don't know much about Israel and your beliefs and your culture differences. But I do know over in Great Britain, it's more of a beer and football and everything else. Okay? So, they're already here. It's kind of the same. It's not, it's not that different. I don't, I don't. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, you're talking about cultural differences now. So let me ask you a question because I am unaware. In Israel, are the women seen, can they be independent or do they follow instructions from their husbands? Let me ask you that question. Women? Do women have to obey their husbands in Israel? No, not as a, not as a, actually, you know, that's the first time I've been asked that kind of question. Good. But, no, actually, 
Uh, no, Israel is, I want to say, advanced, but it's not. It's not really, but because because if you look at it from a structural perspective, so we're kind of advanced. We're we're very. Um, you have women rights. You have it's it's not it's not that different from from uh, the UK. Um, the thing is, when you go to uh, when you go, as I said, it's not about women or or men. It's more about who are you in front of the law. But it is. Uh, but but it is. Sorry, for for myself, this is why it's important that I asked you that question. I don't over here. Marriage is taken too too lightly. Okay, in certain other countries. Wives are to do their wifely duties and the man is more dominant and more prominent as the provider. And if the wife doesn't listen in certain countries, she's outcasted, she's stoned, she's beaten to death. It doesn't matter. But so I have to ask that question because it is vital that we're on the same page here when it comes to domineering behavior. And I feel that they go hand in hand on beliefs. So when I talk about marriage um, in different communities, for a starters, we have our own beliefs. And marriage in different communities, whether it's culture, belief or not, I do not believe, I do not believe we should be submissive in any shape or form because that's where it's starting from. Women seen, not heard. Do you know when I'm dealing with sexual abuse, when I'm dealing with domestic violence, we've got... Hold up. Where does the perpetrator get his beliefs from? Okay? And we have that installed in biblical terms. We have that in marriage terms. We have that in joining some kind of company or force or something like that where it's in, in, um, where the influence are are there and so it's very difficult to break the cycle but if if you're telling me say like i'm married over here we can do what we want as a woman but i go to another country women have to keep their head down do what they're told there's your problem right there there's your problem right there because they I can't even protect the I children can even, i can even challenge that you know yeah go ahead because it's a good conversation because, because um because a dominant um, family doesn't have to be an abusive one. No, it doesn't. I mean, you get that. Oh, come on, okay. you get good and bad in every relationship, right? So yeah, you could you could have abuse in every kind of family in, in every kind of culture. But it makes it you more have, harder. If you no, if you if you uh, if you look at Okay, so the more advanced the culture is, the more advanced the secret is. But it the, the statistic isn't much different. But you've got you've got you talk about culture. You've got people at thirteen years old having their genitalia being cut off and mutilated. So again, you see, but based on belief, abuse, this is an abusive. Yes, culture. it's abuse and it's illegal. This is an abusive culture and. 
when you talk about abusive culture, it would that model wouldn't work. But we are talking about, in general, when we're covering sexual abuse or anything about abuse, and we have to talk about the rawness of it. Again, we're talking about beliefs. When you talk about about, um, abusive cultures, we're talking about something which which take our model to a higher level of global responsibility. But when you uh, when you look at our model in a in a community in a small community level, uh, it first needs to it first needs to address the the everyday community. You know, my community, your community, the our neighbors' community, because we have abuse in us. It's inside these communities, and we ignore it. But it's every all based community, on beliefs. every community had abuse, like in Israel, which is yeah, um, it's worldwide. Uh, what? It's worldwide. This abuse is worldwide. worldwide. And we have a, a research in Israel that says that every we have uh, religious people, we have Muslims, we have uh, Christians, we have Jews, we have people from all around. And one every five kids is being abused. So let's take it as a general for the whole, the whole world, okay? So if you go to England, if you go to the States, if you go to Russia, if you go to China, okay? So it would be somewhere around every one of, one of each Kids, I know? get that, I get that, but what I'm really trying to point out here is that I get that, and when we look at the, the abuse, it, it, yes, we understand it happens worldwide, but it's more enforced in a belief system. Sometimes it's women should be seen and not heard, therefore, they um, again, when you're looking at the belief system, some people believe that men, women sorry, that men own women, okay? And that's where a lot of this is coming from when it it goes into domestic abuse as well because of that belief system. That belief system can come from what? Anywhere, okay? And that's the thing. It it could happen anywhere, you know? Yeah, but how are you going to break it? I would even say, you know, you said said dominance. And Mm -hmm. when you say, when you talk about abuse, Abuse is about dominance. And people that would have dominance issues, okay, might... Uh, and, you know, I just figured out something about their model. But, but I, I will show it in a second. When people have, have dominance issues, there might be at risk to become perpetrators because they would need to feel dominant Somewhere. They've already got it. They've already. It's already embedded in them. Okay. It's already embedded. Okay. And again, it's coming from pattern and after pattern after pattern, isn't it? I've never research, uh, researched researched uh, that that area, but when you talk about dominance, what we say, we always say that if the law prefers the perpetrator. What we want to do, we don't want to, we don't want to um, weaken the perpetrator because 
when you fight something like that, you might you 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 might only lose. When you want to make someone weaker, he would only grow stronger. But what we want to do, we want to enforce and make the community stronger. Because if you think about it, it takes one perpetrator per per community to to ruin everything for for everyone. Oh yeah. So, so we don't want to weaken the perpetrator. We want to make the community stronger. We want to make the community talk more, be more dialogic, be more present, be more active, proactive, not just reactive. And and by the community becoming stronger, okay. So even the perpetrator would have would find his uh, his place or his uh, uh, his place to to be uh, rehabilitated because the community would say. We need to treat that perpetrator right, so he wouldn't come back and come back hurting us. So we need to teach him. But we need to. It's an addiction, isn't it? It's an addiction. Well, you're trying to break an addiction. That's what you're trying to do. No, I, uh, uh, no. Listen to me. I'm not trying to break anything. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm talking about the perpetrator. <laughs> I'm talking about the community. Yeah. What we are talking about is. Make the community stronger, more resilient. So think about it. So when you, that... when you when you get to some somewhere safe mm -hmm. and you feel safer, you feel stronger. You could progress. You could uh, you could shine. You could work. You could grow. When when you feel safe and strong, you can do whatever okay. you want. Okay, Shahaf, I'm a mum. And so what you're saying, so, okay, it happened to me. So how do I prevent it happening from my children? Okay. And that, so I had to empower the no touch zone to my children. The minute they could talk. Okay. That's how I helped my children to talk openly and honestly. That's how I could help my children. But when my children encounter new boy, new girlfriends or new boyfriends or whatever else there is in, in the end, some, unfortunately, some of these, the people that we encounter don't have that upbringing. They don't have that information. So what you're doing here, even this, just today, talking about it, makes that difference. You creating uh, your website, which you can, let me get that up. You creating your website and talking to the community. That's a start. Saying nothing does nothing saying something save somebody go to listening to someone say something save somebody absolutely so we can find what you're doing on https you know those little dots lifeboats forward slash lifeboat for all dot org i will put that on the link when i do the write up about that. That's where we can find that. And it's in is how do you say that? I see I'm learning something new about your culture today. And I, I thank you for th this opportunity. So even though you've got that in is it Israeli? You've got it in Israel, but there is an English version as well. That starts there. Building I want to speak to you again. So can we do this again? Um 
And I might even, you know, today was a little bit of a surprise for me, but next yeah. time we could do it with Esty, which is my uh, my partner. Yeah. And she 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 usually uh, has more uh, smart things to say than I do. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> I, did, I found it quite awkward, <laughs> to be honest. We've got a couple of minutes left. It's difficult speaking to somebody that's not abused. So that was strange for me to do this with you, okay? Um, because then I want to fight you. <laughs> no, you're wrong, you're wrong. But it was good to listen to two different ways that you can get that information out there. And that was what was important here today. And I want to know more. I would like to help more. Um, if I can help more and, and, and do workshops where we can do these preventions, then so be it. So what we're talking about is collaboration worldwide. It doesn't matter where you're from. We need to no, understand... Man. And, and again, it doesn't matter about your religion, your background, your colour, your creed. When you're a parent, you have a need to keep those kids safe. And sometimes, sometimes we have to understand that although we're born into a belief, we have to find our own belief and what's right and do right by these children if we're going to save them. So from UK, I am Kerry Mussington. And from Israel, please pronounce your name. Shahaf Ben Shalom. You heard that. Shahaf <laughs> Ben Shalom. There we go. We are bring, bringing some really serious awareness here today. And we're going to come back and talk so much more on awareness. It's not going to be the last you'll see of us. But I want to say thank you so much for listening in. If thank it is a trigger to you, you are, I am contactable on www.momproject.co.uk. You can even get me on Facebook, which is uh, the Mom Project suicide prevention, mental health awareness, or mind over matter gives back. I'm happy to talk to people if they are triggered by what was spoken about today. And again, Sharif here, as he told you, he's a counsellor. You con you're contactable on Facebook? I'm sure. What? Shahaf is contactable on Facebook also. Yeah. So that is, to spell his name is S H. A H A F Ben Shalom is S H A L O M. You can contact us if you need a conversation because this is triggering, I know. And to all you people out there that are leaders, as we've been politically correct not to use the word survivors, <laughs> leaders, keep going, stand up right, and, and, and you know, protect the children. That's what we're here for. So thank you very, very much. If you just stay there for me. Uh, thank you. We will be back. And I think thank this you, is Gary. amazing. Thank you, Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.